Uh, oh, welcome to uh, 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show. My name is Mike Meyer, and hey, it's Christmas season. Thanksgiving's over, and I hope everybody had a good one. I know mine went quite well. And, uh, you know, with Thanksgiving out of the way, I figured that we'd start talking about a little bit Christmas. And, you know, but as always, though, if you've got a question about anything we're going to grow in, it does not have to be about uh, the topic of the day, uh, please feel free to give me a call. So if you're wondering maybe how to go about repairing, uh, still doing some lawn repairs before we get any snow on the ground, if you can do it or not, or uh, doing some pruning to your trees, or maybe you've got a sick house plant. Go ahead and give us a call. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and you can shoot me a text on that, too. How about the biggest icon out there dealing with uh, Christmas, other than, you know, Christ, uh, would be the Christmas tree. I know Santa comes in a close second, but uh, the Christmas tree is number one that, you know, comes to everybody's mind. And mind you, I'm not talking about the plastic ones. Uh, in my mind, those are just about a step above pink flamingos. Now, uh, today we're going to talk about the real Christmas tree and what the different types have to offer. And some of their good points and some of their bad points as well. And there's a lot of difference between the trees. So, uh, uh, well, you might want a tree that's going to last, uh, you know, uh, you're going to bring it inside today, you know, the weekend after Thanksgiving, and you're going to want it to be up until well after Christmas. Well, you're going to need one that's going to have some decent needle retention then. Uh, because some will drop their needles starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, some will not. And, you know, some smell good uh, or better than others. Uh, you know, have that nice pine uh, or balsam scent. Uh, some of them are different colors. You've got your light green, yellow green, dark green, blue. Uh, there's all sorts of different things. There's even trees out there that'll help keep the cats away and little kids from messing around with the uh, Christmas tree. So uh, there, we talk about as many of them as we can fit into today's show. But like I said, as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, the first one that I wanted to talk about uh, as far as Christmas trees goes is actually not a true Christmas tree. It's a house plant. But a lot of people like using them for Christmas trees because uh, they've got the na word pine in their name. And, but... Believe it or not, they're not even pines, but it's a Norfolk Island pine. Now, this is not Norfolk off our east coast. This is the Norfolk between uh, New Caledonia and Australia in the South Pacific. Uh, in the wild, they get up to about 80 feet tall in natural habitat, but kept in our houses, they're going to be significantly smaller. Uh, generally, they'll stay pot-sized. Now, these trees are beautiful, and they do well in uh, homes, but they do have, uh, they're kind of finicky as far as uh, their uh, needs are. 
So I figured we'd talk about that. But if you want to get a Christmas tree, you know, hey, maybe the kids have all moved out and you want to downsize a bit, but you don't want to totally do away with the Christmas trees yet, well, this is something that uh, you might want to plan on because uh, it's a Christmas tree in a pot. Now, they've got very, very soft needles. And uh, if you want to decorate it as your Christmas tree, you have to remember that the branches are very weak and delicate. It's not like a normal pine tree. Uh, They're only going to hold about the lightest of ornaments. So, you know, plan on going super light. Tinsel, garland, maybe some lights on the inside. But you're going to need, they're not going to take a uh, heavy ornament by any stretch of the imagination. Now, the needles are also very prone to drying out, so you have to mist the tree daily. And uh, for some reason, Norfolk's, and this is weird, and when I say they, they can be a temperamental, uh, they can be. Norfolk Island pines like to be misted with cool water as opposed to warm or room temperature water, and, which is really strange. I have never seen a tree really give a darn about what temperature. You know, you don't go to either extreme, but, you know, a cool versus room temp. But, uh, yeah, they will, they take in the uh, cooler water uh, easier, I guess. I don't know. Uh, to me, I think it's all going to be room temperature within a couple of seconds anyhow. But always make sure, if you've got lights on it, that you unplug them first. <laughs> Don't leave it plugged in before you missed it, please. And uh, also, you know, take care and make sure that none of the needles have dried. If they do dry, they become extremely flammable. So you have to be careful of that. Now, Norfolk Island pines are... They can be grown in most temperature ranges that are suitable for people, but they do like cooler rooms with daytime temperatures of about 65 degrees. You can go warmer than that, but uh, they prefer the cooler temps. Expect a little bit of shock if you allow temps to get too warm. But you never want them to get below 50 degrees. And uh, drafts and extremes in temperature Either hot or cold or sudden changes in temperatures should be uh, carefully avoided. So you want want to keep a Norfolk Island pine away from any uh, doors or windows, uh, heat vents, uh, even, you know, uh, a ceiling fan. You don't want it to be right underneath where it's going to be blowing down at or, you know, any forest air is going to be coming out. Now, Norfolk Island pines need bright light but never full sun. So preferably, you know, you keep them in a, uh, about three to four feet back from a, a large window, and they'll do great. Uh, Norfolks will even survive with only incandescent or fluorescent lighting. But if you do that, you've got to make sure that they're getting light for about 16 hours a day. Uh, so, you know, that's most of the day. Uh... And you can do this if you want to get it for a, uh, say, you know, a temporary thing, you know, something that you're just planning on having for a couple of years. Uh, it'll do fine. Uh, 
But if you're wanting to have a tree that's going to last and last and last, you want to give it the good, bright, natural sunlight. And the other thing about Norfolk Island pines, too, is you've got to frequently turn them. Otherwise, the trees will get lopsided, and they will push all their growth out to one side. Uh, generally speaking, they should give them a good, heavy watering once a week uh, in order to keep the you know, potting soil uh, moist but never soggy. And you know, if the plant... Uh, the uh, soil dries out faster than that during the wintertime, you know, go ahead and uh, water it more. Uh, but during the winter months, you should allow the soil to dry completely before watering again. Uh, this is like the rest period for it. And uh, as I said, uh, they do enjoy cooler uh, water. So if you, you know, have a uh, sunroom or someplace like that where the water's not going to get freezing, but, uh, you know, stay nice and cool, uh, water from there. You know, uh, set your water out there. But Norflux will, they'll react violently to chemicals in the water. Uh, if you water it straight from the tap, uh, the chlorine and fluoride and all those things that they pump into our water, it's going to take its toll on the tray. So you always need to set the water out for a while. If you don't have the sunroom, like I mentioned, and, uh, you know, just allow it to go to our room temperature. You know, better that than nothing. But never water it directly from the tap or uh, mist it uh, with water directly from the tap as well. Now, during the summer months, you can feed them, uh, oh, pretty much monthly with any water-soluble uh, plant fertilizer, and uh, they'll do fantastic. Uh, this time of the year, like this, like I said, this is their dormant uh, period, so you don't need to be fertilizing them. But, uh, go ahead and, you know, kick back and uh, relax for a little bit. Okay, uh, that does it for the Norfolk Island Pine. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the you know, a few other trees and uh, maybe some history of the Christmas trees, too. But as I, always, if you've got a question about anything green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we're back. And before we uh, start talking about the Christmas trees, I just got a text in. And uh, let's see. Should I cover my blueberry plants? in the ground, uh, with leaves for the winter? If so, how high? The whole plant? Uh, there is no reason that you shouldn't cover a blueberry plant. Uh, if you have a newer plant and, uh, you know, it hasn't been in the ground that long, then maybe you might want to go ahead and, you know, mulch it in. It's not going to hurt to cover them as long as you uh, remove the leaves, you know, by uh, springtime. You don't want to leave them, you know, uh, up against the plant uh, any later than spring, especially once it starts warming up. But, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and cover them. It's not going to hurt it, uh, but it's not necessarily necessary for a, a plant that is, you know, been in the ground for a while. Uh, what I would do, though, is spray it with an anti-desiccant spray. 
Uh, that is the spray that prevents, like, freezer burn throughout the wintertime. Okay, now back to talking about Christmas trees. And I want to talk about the history of Christmas trees uh, as well. Uh, should we go into the history right now or go into the different types of trees? Let's do the different types of trees because, uh, you know, everybody's going to be out there uh, starting to look for their trees. And there's, you know, there's so many different ways to get Christmas trees now. And, again, we're talking about real trees, not your uh, plastic ones. Uh, personally, uh, we choose to go out and cut our tree every year. Uh, that way there, you know, you're getting a nice, you know you're getting a nice fresh tree because you're cutting it. And it, you know, creates a lot of uh, fun memories. Uh, I remember one year, uh, a few years back, we were coming back and we had two trees on top of the car and they decided to kind of, well, at least one of them decided to blow off the top of the car as we're going down the road. So we had to stop and, you know, get the tree back up there and tie it back on really peacefully and, you know, fun times. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we go out and cut our trees uh, each year. In fact, we're going to be going out uh, today after the show to do ours. But, you know, some people choose to do that. Some people uh, choose to go down to um, uh, one of the uh, big box hardware stores uh, in the area. They sell them. Uh, I believe even Walmart sells them. They sell them on the street corners. Uh, some of the smaller stores, the hardware stores and such, actually have trees, too. And, you know, whichever you want to do, it's your tree, go for it. But personally, I like to go out and, you know, select the tree and go out and we can argue about it out in the field and finally, you know, f figure out which tree fits everybody's likes and go ahead and cut it down and bring it on home. Now, the main concern about any Christmas tree is how fresh it is. Uh, most of your pre-cut Christmas trees, believe it or not, are cut as far back as October. Uh, this year, it may have, they may have uh, had to wait a bit longer because it stayed warm for so long. Uh, so uh, usually once uh, the cold weather hits, they go ahead and start cutting the Christmas trees. And, you know, they'll wrap them up and ship them down uh some from Canada, some from northern Wisconsin, uh, from all around. And they come down to uh, the suppliers down here. So you always want to look at the tree and expect some brown needles on the inside of the branches. That's always going to, even if you're going out to cut a, a live tree, you can uh, find these brown needles on the inside. But these should fall off of the good shaking of the tree. And uh, so, you know, give the tree a good shake, and that also helps open up the branches, too, if it's been all wrapped up for quite a while, uh, to give you an idea of the shape of the tree. What you don't want to see are uh, branch tips that have turned brown. That's not a good thing, uh, because that means the tree is, you know, pretty much started to dry out the... Uh, uh capillary uh system in the outside the tree has started to break down and it's not going to take up that much more water and chances are 
it's going to keep turning browner and browner and browner as you go. So uh, you don't want to see that. A good green, you know, uh, color across the outside is what you're going to look for. Uh, also make sure uh, that, you know, the tree doesn't have any broken branches. Uh, one thing that I learned early on in choosing Christmas trees was make sure it's got a straight trunk. And people will laugh when they hear that. But not all trees grow straight. Uh, and some of them may look like they're straight, but they're actually not. Uh, they can, you know, there might have been a tree or another stump uh, growing nearby, and the tree actually had to grow around it. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure the tree is going to be, you know, straight up and down when it gets into the, uh, you know, tree holder. And that's another thing, too. Make sure that the base will fit your tree holder. Uh, I remember one year we went out and I got this really large tree. We had a big uh, room also. So we went for a super wide tree. And unfortunately, the base was too big for any tree holder that we had. So I had to shave it down, and that did not work out too well because uh, it didn't really absorb any water after that because I had to cut shave down to the Cambrian layer, and it didn't take up water, and that tree lasted all about two weeks inside my house. But, uh, you know, make sure it's going to fit inside there. Now, when you get the tree home, just, you know, stand it up uh, as it would be natural. Never lay it down. If uh, there's snow in the forecast, snow or, uh, you know, ice, let it lean it up in a corner somewhere. Uh, allow it to stand if you're not going to bring it right in. Uh, once you do bring it in, always give it a fresh cut. That is, you have to do this. Um, if you cut the tree today and it doesn't go in until tonight, uh, say so you cut it this morning and it doesn't go into tonight, you're still going to have to give it that fresh cut which will allow the water to be taken up inside of it. Okay, uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the different aspects of trees, but we're going to have to take a break and take care of a little bit of news and a little bit of business. And it looks like we have a caller coming in, too, so we'll have to answer their questions. But we'll be right back here at 1410 WICM in just a couple of minutes. Give us a call. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back, and uh, today on the Plant Doctor Show, we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas trees and uh, how to go about choosing them, uh, what some uh, particular types uh, are better than others for other, you know, for different reasons, and also a few tips on, you know, getting the most out of your tree. But as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, please feel free to go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914 uh, for any plant or gardening questions. And we have uh, one phone caller coming in now, so we're going to go ahead and jump straight over to the lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Greg. Hey, Greg. What can I do I, for you? Well, I was just offering a suggestion, uh, another option uh, for your Christmas tree. Okay. I... Um, when I was in the service in California, uh, bought a Christmas tree for my roommate and I, and uh, we got our tree, and, and then uh, we went to the store to get a stand, and um, we couldn't find a stand at a 
about a half a dozen different stores. Mm. So we had to get creative, and uh, what we did was uh, we put a plant hook in the ceiling into the truss. Okay. And and then just under the first uh, branch on the top, uh, tied a, a cord around there, a string, and hung it from there. And the advantages of that is it hung straight. Um, when the cat jumped on it, it didn't tip over. And uh, with a, uh, a two-gallon bucket underneath, it was easy to keep it filled with water. Wow. So uh, Neat. we did that for many years, even when I moved back to Wisconsin, uh, when we were still getting uh, trees, and it, uh, it always worked. That is a neat idea. Uh, you know, the original uh, trees, uh, going back to the age of the Druids, uh, are the Catholic missionaries uh, utilized the uh, Christmas tree, uh, which was actually a Druid uh, icon back then, uh, because they used a triangular shape to uh, point out, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity. But the Druids hung the trees from the ceilings, but they hung them upside down for some reason. Why, I have no idea. But uh, oh. they hung them upside down from the ceiling. Yeah, and the other thing was that, you know, if you put a topper on it, it always covered the cord, the the string that we would hang, hang it with. So, yeah, there you um, go. It, it was pretty effective, and uh, uh, occasionally we'd, we'd, when people would come over, we would swing the tree a little bit just uh, <laughs> for a little added motion. There you are, uh, using some good ingenuity with that. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Greg. All right. Have a good day. You too. Take care now. Uh, yeah, live and learn, and that's not a. Uh, it's not a bad idea. I can't find any fault with that. Uh, it sounds like a really neat idea. I'm like having it just uh, sitting into a five-gallon bucket and make it nice and easy for watering. Uh, you're good to go. Uh, yeah, the cats can't, cats and dogs and kitties can't knock it over then either. So that's a pretty good idea there. So if you got a question uh, or maybe another idea about a, you know a Christmas tree, go ahead and give us a call uh, or shoot us a text. The number down here at Wisdom is six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Now, like I was saying before, uh, when you decide to uh, bring the tree indoors. Always give it a fresh cut. And what that fresh cut is, is you're cutting about, oh, a quarter to a half an inch off of the base of the tree. And uh, this, you see, with any uh, conifer, uh, be it a pine or a spruce um, or any type of fir tree, uh, it, they've got that heavy, sticky sap. And uh, once the tree starts warming up a little bit, that sap's going to run, and it's going to uh, come out of the base of it. Uh, as anybody knows, that's picked up a pine branch. You get the stuff on your fingers. But uh, once the sap covers up the base, it clogs up the pores. And once that happens, you're out of luck because the tree is no longer going to absorb any uh, moisture at all. So you have to uh, make that fresh cut, get into water as quick as possible within, I'd say, within minutes if possible, uh, no longer than an hour. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to give it another fresh cut. 
And that's also something to think about, too, that if the tree happens to dry out on you once you have it up and decorated, <clears throat> especially if you have lights on your tree, because, uh, you know, lights, electricity, heat, uh if you've got a dried-out Christmas tree inside your home, uh, Christmas trees are explosive to begin with uh, if they ever get lit up. You don't want one inside your house that's, you know, turning brown and having, uh, you know, electric lights running all through it. So, and I've had this happen to me one time. And trust me, one time's all it takes before you'll uh, make sure it never happens to you again. But you actually have to have people come over, hold the tree up in the air while you crawl underneath it, and uh, give it a fresh cut before setting it back into the uh, tree stand again. Uh, that's not a fun job, especially once you have all lights and everything on the tree and it's all, you know, uh, decked out with the decorations. You don't want to be shaking the tree much because a lot of those, you know, balls are made out of glass. They'll be falling. And so you got to be really careful, cut it very slowly, and uh, get a new fresh cut on it and get it back into the sand with some water. Like I said, you'll make that mistake only one time. I promise that. Okay, we got another caller coming in, and uh, two open lines, 608-785-7914 is our number. Good morning, young plant doctor show. Who's this? Yeah, good morning. This is Rosa. Hi, Rosa. How are you? Fine, thank you. I have a problem. Fire away. I got a friend that brought me a very special present, and it was an Amarillo, and it was from Menard. Okay. And when I opened the box, the Amarillo bulb didn't have no dirt in a little plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I, my daughter took it back to see up at uh, Menard, they get another one with a bag of dirt in a little package. And the lady there told them they all came just like that that's, with no dirt. That's so right. now I feel so bad for Menard. they got to lose a lot of money. No, but the reason I'm calling, I want you to let everybody know what kind of dirt we can put now on our own. Okay, Rosa, number one, that's the way they're sold. And there's a reason behind that. Anytime that you leave soil up against a bulb, uh, that soil retains moisture, you know, humidity. And if you yeah. keep anything that's humid up against the bulb, it can start to rot right at that point. So they very yeah. carefully brush all the uh, soil off the bulb. Sometimes you'll get them in a plastic bag with nothing. Other times you'll get them in a plastic bag with a little, you know, some peat moss around it. But uh, they will never, If actually if I went out and uh, bought one there was soil around it, I'd bring it back because it's, you know, a good chance that it's going to have, uh, you know, started to rotten on the inside. So that is 100% totally normal, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I love them, and I get them from uh, Walmart every year, and I got one here just now that it's already a foot uh, tall. I okay. made a mistake. I put the water in the dirt. But they have a special dirt. But now I want the other uh, uh, Amarillo that my daughter is bringing me back 
because I was a special friend from a very special friend of mine. What kind of dirt they can put in? Okay, any good, uh, rich, loamy, loose potting soil will do fine. I would never use garden soil on it. And okay. uh, the reason being that you're going to want to go ahead and after the plant uh, blooms, uh, you know, and goes through its cycle, you want to cut down that stalk and uh, you allow the bulb to rest for six to eight yeah. weeks, and you can start the bloom cycle all over again. But, yeah. So you're going to want to take it out of the dirt for that uh, point. But when you plant an uh, amaryllis bulb, you go ahead and you stick it in, and so I'd say about four-fifths fifths of it is uh, down into the soil, and the yeah. very top portion is out. And you usually try to make it so that top portion is just a little bit below the top of the uh the rim of the flower pot, okay. and uh, you're good to go. It's, it doesn't yeah. take any real, you know, yeah. special soil or anything like that. Just a yeah. you know, good loamy, loose potting soil yeah. will do. Yeah. Okay. But, but I feel sorry for Menard that they got to lose all that money because my daughter said they bought hundreds and hundreds of them there. Yeah, that's so and right I, I said, tell the lady that they let people know they don't have any dirt, so the people. Like me, that I had to bring it back, thinking that they do have, you know, the dirt, and they didn't. But I will take care of it because I love them. Everybody should have one. They're fantastic. Okay. Yeah, they do make a beautiful, beautiful uh, presentation. And you see them growing growing right out of the bulb. Some things are special. Yes, they are. Oh, thank you very much for calling, Rose. I greatly appreciate your call. And uh, would you do me a favor? We are my very special. Everybody in La Crosse, a very, very happy and holiday season. Thank you very much, uh, Rosa, and I'm sure everybody wishes you that as well. And thank you for you doing this lovely thing about oh, flower and plants. I just love that. Thank you're you. You're quite welcome. I love doing the show myself. Okay, uh, let's see. Are we up to a break here? Uh, no, we could talk a little bit more before we go to a break. But, uh, okay, where were we? Oh, let's talk about the amaryllis bulb again uh, really quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, and Rosa isn't the first person that has called up uh, saying that, that they've received bulbs that, you know, uh, didn't have any soil on them. And they worried about the uh, health of them, and that it's actually healthier to uh, store and, you know, sell the bulbs in that uh, manner. So there's nothing wrong with them at all. Uh, the ideal way is, like I said, and if you're going to grow the amaryllis yourself, is when it comes time for the rest period, store it in a little bit of peat moss uh, because peat moss uh, has an enzyme in it that fights against the rot. Uh, once the rot sets in, you might as well toss the bulb out because it's going to be no good. But the peat moss will fight against that, uh, store it in there six to eight weeks in a nice, cool, dry place every once in a while, dark, cool, dry place. And every once in a while, you're going to want to go ahead and give it just the slightest light misting, just to give it a, a little bit of moisture. But that's it. You don't want to make it wet. And uh, you can keep repeating the cycle every six to eight weeks, bring it back out, pop it in some soil. And it'll grow up. And if you're not familiar with an amaryllis, I would encourage you to look it up online. Uh, they are a strikingly beautiful plant. And the, the, they're spelled A M A 
R-Y-L-L-I-S. And they've got uh, almost like a hibiscus, a uh, cross between like a uh, marigold and a hibiscus uh, type bloom. Uh, there are big, wide, just gorgeous blooms. Uh, I've seen reds, peaches, yellows, uh, pinks. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a white one or not. But they come in a, many different varieties of colors, and they uh, have become a standard in a lot of households for uh, Christmas plants. But they're a really, really neat plant, fun plant to have, and what makes them fun is, like I said, you can keep repeating the uh, blooming cycle, too. But uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and take a short break and take care of a little bit of business and some weather, but we'll be right back with any plant or gardening questions got more than enough time uh if you happen to have a question give me a call please don't wait to the end of the show because uh, a lot of times i don't get to them then so give me a call number down here at wisdom is 608-785-7914 and we will be right back okay today in between calls we're talking about uh christmas trees and uh, uh, some of the different aspects uh, that the different types have and you know, some tips to uh, you know, go along with your trees to make them last. And, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of people grow, uh, they'll pop in evergreen trees and, uh, you know, into landscapes. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But unfortunately, every once in a while, and usually you hear about it at least once a Christmas season, that some Scrooge is going to go out and cut down somebody's private Christmas tree. And, uh, yeah, that's not nice. Uh, don't be that person. But if you happen to live along a main drag and you've got some, uh, you know, uh, evergreens that you want to make sure that nobody's going to cut down, there is a trick to uglify your tree for a little while. And that is to go out and get some uh, hydrated lime uh, and some wilt proof. And you want to mix about, oh, uh, probably about a little bit better than a pound and a half of hydrated lime to four ounces of wilt proof, which is an anti-desiccant spray. And uh, you mix that into a paste. Then you add about 20 gallons of warm water. And uh, a couple of bottles of food coloring wouldn't even hurt either. And uh, go ahead, you know, I would uh, mix like uh, red and green food coloring together, make it a little bit browner. And you can uh, spray this onto evergreens with a hand sprayer. And the treatment should last through the holiday season if uh, you did it right now. Uh Generally, it comes off after a few snowfalls. Uh, it comes off, uh, obviously, a lot quicker if uh, there's, you know, uh, rain in the forecast. But uh, it does a pretty good job at, you know, keeping people from getting your trees. It'll dry onto an icky brownish-looking color, and nobody's going to they'll be driving by and say, ooh, I don't want that tree this year. And they keep on going. Hate to have to, be, to say that, but... Uh, it does help. And like I said, unfortunately, I hear about it at least once a season. Okay, different trees and different aspects really quickly. Uh, you're about the longest needle retention that there is out there. If you want to pop up a Christmas tree, 
that uh, today and have it up until New Year's. That would be the Scotch pine. Scotch pines hold their needles forever, uh, as long as you keep them watered, of course. Uh, drawback with the Scotch pine is the branches are not as strong for ornaments, and they tend to droop when you put a heavier ornament on them. Uh, with a little bit less uh, needle retention, but a fantastic scent, would be the balsam uh, or the uh, Fraser firs. Uh, Fraser firs have a, a bit longer than the balsam uh, needle retention. Both of them have a beautiful scent to them, though. They've got that good classic, you know, Christmas tree smell uh, to them. Uh, balsams are probably stronger smelling than uh, Fraser firs, but both of them are nice. If you have pets or young kids and you don't want them messing around with the Christmas tree, you know, pulling at it, tugging at it, having it come crashing down, there is a Christmas tree out there, and this kind of sounds a little mean, but it works. Uh, it is a blue spruce, or anything in the spruce family for that matter. Uh, spruces have sharp, prickly needles, and... You go up and uh, you touch them and you're like, you know, pull your hand back really quickly because they hurt. Uh, it is guaranteed to keep a small child from messing with it, uh, especially one that's learning how to crawl and wants to pull themselves up on everything. They will not do that twice. Well, maybe they will, depending on the kid. I would have probably done it twice. But... Uh, you know, the kids learn, and they stay away from them. And cats won't even mess with a uh, blue spruce either. Uh, most spruces, the uh, needles are on the outside are sharp. The one thing that the blue spruce offers is <laughs> the needles actually grow right off the trunk, too, and they're just as sharp as the other ones are. So uh, where the cats go in and try to climb up the inside of the uh, trunk, they can't. So that if tree comes, you know, booby-trapped. And it's not that bad. You just have to take a little bit of extra care when uh, popping it up. Uh, the good all-around tree uh, that I found is, again, the Fraser fir. That pretty much, it's got a really decent uh, needle retention. It's got a nice smell. It's got the bluish color that I happen to love. Uh, and uh, they do pretty well. Uh, anything in the fur family usually does. Uh, another one that uh, does that is the Douglas fir. Uh, they do a really good job at uh, needle retention.